0: And we had made the final payment, remember? And we took that picture and we posted it on social media. And we were just so excited, so elated. I wanted to eat steak that night, but his mother wasn't cooking steak. We ate whatever she made, but you know what? In my mind, it tasted like steak.
1: (laughs) Is your goal to break generational patterns of poverty or financial struggle? Or is it, you know, like for me, it's like, I want to have summer vacations with my kids. Do you want to leave a legacy? You know, what is that why behind it? And that's going to fuel you to keep going and to keep working.
2: This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're bringing you another Best of MKM episode. This week, we're featuring two interviews we did in 2022 and 2023 with two separate New Jersey couples who became millionaires in their 40s. Amy Green, and Doctors Renee and Darko are our two featured set of guests today. They are all going to share the details of how they went from zero, or in some cases, much less than zero, all the way to a million dollar net worth. Without further delay, let's jump into this Best of MKM episode from 2022 and 2023 with Doctors Renee and Darko and Amy Green. Today we're going to speak with a couple who has grown their net worth to over 1 million dollars by their mid 40s. Dr. Renee and Nee Darko are our guests today. These two live with their children in New Jersey and when they are not building their family wealth, they love to travel and support other doctors through their podcast. Welcome to the show Renee and Nee. Thank you. Thanks
0: for having us. Yeah,
2: we're we're excited to be here Andy. Absolutely. Thank you for being here and thank you for being transparent about your wealth-building journey so other people can thrive as well. So let's look back a little bit. What was your motivation for building wealth as a couple to begin with?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody likes to be broke, Andy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And I think it's it's, sometimes it's really hard to to really, I think for people who aren't physicians, for people to realize that a two-physician couple or household could be broke, but that's what we were. So when we graduated and we got married, we combined our finances. We had about, combined about, almost about $700,000 of student loan debt. I had a townhome in Atlanta that I was an accidental landlord in, so that was like $170,000, $180,000. Renee had some IRS tax debt when she was on a lam and so forth that we had to take <laughs> care of. You know, so realistically, we almost were close to about $900,000 in debt. And this was literally as soon as we got married. So we really were behind the eight ball. Yeah, And that was not what we expected as first generation, just being first generation kids. And, you know, as becoming physicians, we're just like, whoa, like this is huge. This is not what we expected. Yeah. So that was a huge motivation to be like, we have to get out of this situation as quickly as possible.
2: Renee, were you guys on the same page with that when that started? Or was it like, hey, you know, this is what it is. And let's just keep chugging along. What, what were those conversations like between you and me?
0: Yeah, we were fortunate. I always say that we were fortunate that we were on the same page because it's not always easy as a couple to be on the same page about these things, right? So I would say that we're we're not both spenders. And so the the conversations came relatively easy. Obviously the planning of it was a little bit contentious. What should we, you know, what should we attack first, what should get paid first. But as far as overall, the overall goal being the same. The overall goal being the same was pretty easy for us to come to a conclusion that, listen, we don't want to be broke anymore. Let's get this debt out of the way and start building our net worth.
2: What was the first goal? Did you say we got to get rid of these loans? What was the first goal? Yeah, the first
3: goal was getting out of debt. That was the first goal was getting out of debt because that had a direct effect on where we worked. Our families are either in the New York, New Jersey area. So our first job was about six hours, five, six hours away. So we never envisioned being that far away from family. We both come from close knit families. So to just kind of have a life where we are that far away from either her family or our family just really wasn't desirable. So we knew that the direct cause of that was because we had to find cheaper housing. We had to find someplace that was cheaper. And we found a great job, it's just that it was far away. So we knew the debt had to go out immediately. As we started paying off the debt, we started discovering podcasts, discovering YouTube videos, and realized that there was an entire couple or our entire community of people who were trying to build a net worth, were trying to really get to a point where they could manage not only just their job and their salary, but also at the same time, build something so that they're not working at the same job, at the same position into their 60s. And that kind of just changed our entire focus because we weren't really thinking about that. Yeah. We were just kind of just happy to become doctors and just say, this is how we're gonna work until we die. And that's it. So there was no direction really until we found a community.
2: You got the motivation, and then after finding that community and the motivation, what were the first steps that you took then to start tackling this debt? And I know, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a lot about large student loan debt, especially when it comes to doctors and PSFL and all these other acronyms that I don't really know much about. How did you guys handle that? How did you start with that?
0: The first thing that we did actually was we made a pact. The important thing was we made a pact not to create any more debt. That, that that was huge. It was like, I don't care what happens. We're not going to create any more debt. And so, you know, we shook on it, kissed on it, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we made that pact. The second thing that we did actually was we took a look at our expenses over the last three months. And that meeting actually took a really long time because once we realized that, you know, what we were spending our money on, we definitely realized Okay, you know, the whole saying of show me your budget, I'll show you your priority. It was like, wow, we need to rearrange our priorities.
3: Yeah, Yeah, we're spending a significant amount of money on food at work. Mm -hmm. Um, We were buying a significant amount of money of food at home, but we weren't cooking it. So there was a bunch of perishables that were just literally perishing away in the refrigerator.
0: Dining out a lot. It was just, you know, it really was just that our money was being misappropriated, if you will. Mm And once we realized that, we said, okay, well, we need to rearrange our priorities. Yeah. One of the first things that we actually did was we looked at how much we were paying in life insurance and disability insurance. And we realized that our life and disability insurance payments were much more than our student loan payments. Yeah. And that's that's when we both got angry at the same time and we're like, that's it. like." We definitely need to get rid of this. So,
3: and and we weren't when until we looked at the expenditures, what was coming in and what was coming out, we were happy to pay our whole life and our disability insurance. Like, oh, yeah, that's just a payment that we have to pay. But then we started getting our student loan payments, which were lower than that, and we'd be angry. Right. And I was like, wait, this doesn't make sense until we looked at the numbers. We're like, we're putting more money into something that's not really getting us a benefit whereas the student loan payment which we should be aggressively paying off we're really angry about that and that's where we really started to change our focus and the first things we did is we got rid of our whole life plan for us it just didn't make sense for us Mm -hmm. we got a term life insurance policy which was significantly cheaper and then we got disability insurance that was a little bit more economical reasonable for us and that really started letting us know hmm our money if we budget better can be spent wiser and we can aggressively pay off our student loan debt. Yep. Initially, we thought we were gonna pay it off in what, 10 years? I we,
0: well, we, I think we originally thought it was gonna be about 15 years. Yeah, that's true. And so we ended up paying our student loan debt, which totaled at that point $662,000 in three years, because <laughs> we just got that much more aggressive. And I mean, that's a whole story in and of itself. Living apart
3: for like seven months at a time. It was crazy.
0: Yeah, it was crazy because we started working. We started doing something called locums, which essentially is independent contracting for doctors. So in addition to our permanent jobs that we were working, we were also doing this contracting on the side. And so that required that we lived apart for, you know two weeks out of the month at a, you know, at a time. But it brought in a lot more money for us and we were aggressively just throwing it at the debt.
2: That three years, I'm sure, was very hard and I know we breezed over it very much. I mean, was there a point <laughs> during that three years where you saw that number, 600 plus thousand and, and it just crippled you? I mean, how did you move forward?
3: Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem that we had was when we saw the numbers, we were like, what are we going to do? But I think when we got together and realized that her debt wasn't just her debt, my debt wasn't just my debt, and you do you, I'll do me, I'll see you in 15 years of retirement (laughs) or 20 years of retirement, we said, let's make a plan together. Let's start thinking about how we want our lives to look in three years, five years, 20 years. And if that's the case, then we're gonna have to work together to get this done. So I think the biggest thing that we, the biggest win that we had was when we sold and got rid of our whole life insurance, we got a significant amount of money back past the surrender value. We took that money, we didn't spend it, we didn't invest it, we took that money and put it into our student loans. And I made a significant dent into our private loan debt. And when we saw that, we're like, huh, This debt
0: could actually go down.
3: Right. And when you see the interest (laughs) payments decrease because there's less interest accumulating on the principal that we pay down, then we're like, huh.
0: This is possible.
3: This is possible. So that's when we made a plan and said, okay, the higher interest rate is with the private loans, but it's the lower amount. Let's aggressively take that out first. Yeah. And then from there, we'll just change the line items and go after our federal loans, which are our lowest lower interest rate, but significant higher amount. And we just stay true. Now, there were times when I was down and she picked me up. And there were times when she was down and she wants to get, you know, whatever it may want to be. And I may want to get whatever. We just kind of motivated each other. And then also at the same time, that's where the virtual mentorship, the podcast, the YouTubes, Mm -hmm. you know, all those different things on a daily basis kind of kept us motivated. If they can do it, we
2: can do it. I think that's a great point. There's something about this virtual community that we're all a part of that can keep you going, especially when you hear other people who are fighting for gigantic goals like you guys have. So there was a moment in time when you guys crossed over this debt-free kind of level with your student debt. Tell us about that. And then at that point, what did you do to start building wealth on the other side to grow your net worth to where it is today?
0: Yeah, so so when we actually crossed over, we were, I think my son was about seven or eight months, which that was a whole ordeal in and of itself because we ended up doing IVF because we had fertility issues. So we ended up paying for that out of pocket. Remember I said we made a pact that we would not create any debt. And so we didn't. We actually worked and worked and worked and paid for that out of pocket as well. So when my son was finally born, which he actually wasn't born through IVF, and that's another story for another podcast, we felt so relieved. I remember we were at his parents' house, and we had made the final payment, remember? And we took that picture, and we posted it on social media. And we were just so excited so elated. I wanted to eat steak that night, but his mother wasn't, wasn't cooking steak. So <laughs> we ate whatever she made, but you know what? In my mind, it tasted like steak.
3: <laughs> I love it. I told my mom that. You never told her that. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it was, it was great. And for me, that accomplishment, especially when we realized it was a three-year mark, That we had paid it off from when we started, it just let me know that we could essentially accomplish anything. And so from there, it was like, well, you know what? If we could pay this off in three years, we definitely could build wealth. Like, let's start doing things that will help us, you know, on this journey of building wealth. But I will tell you that decreasing that debt burden was the biggest part of increasing our net worth. That was the biggest part.
3: Yeah, that was a huge parachute while yeah. I trying to sprint. That was holding us back.
0: Yeah. And so we started thinking about different ways to build wealth. We started investing. Well, we were investing already, but we started invest- investing more aggressively. We bought a real estate property. So, you know, we have several business ventures as well. Our podcast, docs Outside the Box, is one of them. I have a business for pre-meds. And our business of contracting ourselves as doctors, actually, we had grown that over about three years. We've since kind of downsized that to to be able to focus on other business ventures, but all of that really helped us to build our net worth over time.
2: Those three areas that you focused on, investing in stocks, investing in real estate or buying real estate, and then buying and growing businesses, that's the millionaire's secret sauce. Would you not agree?
0: I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Because I'm dipping my bread into it, let me
3: tell you. <laughs> and and we'll we'll be very honest. Like, you know, a lot of people say, all you gotta do is just, you know, get pa- you know, this is all you have to do to get passive income. These are the steps that you need to do to do passive income. It's it's it could be tough, right? It could be hard and stuff. And sometimes you feel like all right, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know that I'm heading in the positive direction, right? Like we are testing ourselves and pushing ourselves to do certain things, you know, property manage on our own possibly, or look for more properties. It could be frustrating. And I think that the key thing for people who are listening is, is that sometimes you may feel like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but you just know that the process is making you better. Or you end up listening to a podcast and you find that somebody else is going through the same issues as you. So there's really not that, You don't have that easy ability to kind of go backwards and say, I give up. You just know that, well, if that person can push through, then I can push through. If this entire community is working its way through it, then why can't I? And that's been the thing for us. That's why when she says, I hope so, it's like, yeah, like we know this is the way, but also at the same time, there's like sometimes when you're just like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, (laughs) but I do know the status quo is unacceptable and that's where we're at. Exactly.
2: I love that. Well, you guys are at a level right now, I mean, talk about your journey on marriage being almost a million dollars in debt, now having over a million dollar net worth. What's exciting you now? What looks in the future and you say, wow, that's what we want to do now?
3: Well, I think 30,000 foot view, you know, how me and Renee were before we pay or even who we were before we started paying off the debt is not the same we're not the same people right. as when we paid off that debt that same you know that year in 2017 versus how we are now and what i mean by that is we enjoy taking care of patients we enjoy the process of taking care of very sick patients i'm a trauma surgeon i enjoy that but i think we also understand the limitations that we have as individual doctors in this healthcare complex and what i mean by that is it's very easy to feel like you're in a box and as a result i think that we've realized that you know what there's only so much that we can do in this system And the way how we're going to be able to leave our legacy, not only for our kids, but also for other doctors, is to kind of step away from the box, kind of step away from the matrix, and kind of create wealth, create legacy on our own. So that's why the podcast has started. That's why we made it a business. That's why she's working on, you know, trying to increase as many underrepresented minorities in medicine as possible, mm-hmm. but taking more of a profit model as opposed to, you know, well, the only way we can make money is going into the hospital. Right. So it's a shift in mindset. Yeah, That's been really huge. Mm-hmm. I think she reached that point earlier than I did. <laughs> I think for me, the epiphany happened a little bit later on, but yeah. it feels great to be on the same page. Yeah. So we enjoy taking care of patients, but also at the same time, we've realized that you know what? There's other ways that we can make money, but there's also ways that we can help and so and have an impact in society outside of just, you know, operating and taking delivering care of people. babies. Delivering babies.
2: <laughs> A main theme that I keep hearing from you guys is community service and giving back. And I know you're doing that with your podcast. Tell me about your podcast. Tell people where they can listen to it.
3: Yeah. So Docs Outside the Box has been out for about seven years now, Mm -hmm. right? We're creeping up on eight, but it's a podcast about money, medicine, and pop culture. Anything from what happened with Tom Brady and football and his (laughs) career, all the way to student loan payments for physicians, all the way to negotiating. We cover a whole bunch of different things and we do it in a fun manner. You can find it anywhere where you're listening to this podcast or you're listening to music. So that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is, that's where you can find it.
2: Excellent. Thank you both for being here today. Yeah. If you learned something today, if you were inspired today, and if you laughed a little bit today, you should definitely check out the podcast. These two are great. Thank you both so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank
0: you so much, Andy. Thank you, Andy.
2: I love talking about increasing your net worth. This is our barometer for wealth building success. Today, we're going to speak with an investor who has grown her net worth to over $1 million by age 44. Amy Green is our guest today. Amy lives with her husband, Walter, and her two children in New Jersey. And when she's not building wealth for her family, she enjoys working out and taking a good nap. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you so much Andy. It's great to be here. Great to see you as well. We met at a conference, I think a year ago now, so it's nice to nice to see you again and have this fun conversation. So, looking back Amy, when did you start to really care about improving your financial situation?
1: Right. So, I actually have always cared about personal finance, but I didn't get serious with acting on it until about 7 years ago. So, 2015, I married with a baby And I get introduced to Dave Ramsey. And so that whole plan just lit me on fire. And so that's when we started to follow the baby steps and get out of debt and really, really make traction on our net worth.
2: That's awesome. So what kind of debt did you guys have when you started off?
1: So we had a lot. I owned a condo that I bought all wrong in 2008. And so we sold that. That was about $200,000 of debt. We cleaned up a bit more. So we had $245,000 that we cleaned up in two years.
2: Oh wow. Okay. Excellent. You did quite a bit of work there. And then from the investing side of things, did you start investing right away? How did that go?
1: So the good news is that both my husband and I had been contributing to our 401ks for many years. You know, so I started the minute I could with my very first job out of college. And so and my husband too. So we kind of came to the marriage with about equal 401k balances. And so but we had debt. So the debt kind of, it negated what we had. So I say we started with the, you know, when we started in 2015, our net worth was basically zero. And so, but yeah, it's just been something that we've grown since then. So yeah, just always investing.
2: So in seven years, then you guys went from zero to over a million now. Yes. Wow. That is incredible. That's incredible growth. That's very cool. Well, let's talk about how you grew this. So what do you and your husband do for income?
1: So I am a financial coach, and so I'll tell you that during our debt free journey, I got let go from my job at the time. And so, you know, and it's only been a blessing in disguise. So now I get to help people with their money because we were on this plan. It was just a smooth transition to stay home with my my kid at the time. So I am a financial coach. So I work with families to help them create a plan for their money, so they can break through their limitations and live and leave a legacy. And my husband works for an insurance provider here in New Jersey.
2: That's awesome. Very cool. Okay. So now that we understand how the money comes in, can you talk to us how you guys break down your net worth? Because that can be different for other people. So tell us what that consists of so people understand.
1: So about 61, 62% is in retirement. And so that's, it's actually, it's kind of sad because I looked at it the other day and it's it's down, but the market's down. We just ride the wave. So 62% is in retirement. About 29% is equity in our current home. And then about nine percent left over is both in cash. I'm a big fan of sinking funds and emergency funds, and then also our children's 529s, which we sometimes don't count towards our our net worth. But today I am counting them. So.
2: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's a, depending on the day of the market. You might want to include them or not. I mean, it is it is in your name probably until until they use it. It,
1: it, it is until they use it. So that's, that's how right. I look at it. My husband's like, no, it's not our money. Yeah. Like it is. It is our money. So yeah
2: funny enough, my wife just went back to school and we were looking at, hey, what's a smart way to pay for this? And we utilize Zoe's 529 because it's money that you can be used for education. And she's like, all right, as soon as I get my new career going, I'll just put the money back in and replenish it. But it is in your name and it's your money. Yes. So, <laughs> Very cool. So talk to us about the investing side of things because that is a large chunk of your net worth. So what is in that retirement bucket and then how did you start investing to grow that so large?
1: Right. So, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really have a plan it, for the for the retirement. I just I just picked funds and, and worked on it that way. I think a lot of us get defaulted into those target date funds, which are there's nothing wrong with them. However, now knowing what I know now, I, I have worked with a financial advisor for quite some time. So before, even before we found Dave Ramsey and started the whole plan, I was working with a financial advisor who really helped to guide us and grow our money. And But I want to caution people because one of the mistakes we made was we trusted him with, with everything. Oh, if you think it's a good idea, let's do it. And so I'll, there's a small investment we can't get out of right now, and it's not performing well. So there's pieces that you know we have to pay attention to. A big part of it is finding a financial advisor that will work with you. And I am not afraid of risk so we keep our a lot of our investments in growth and growth and in income mutual funds definitely more mutual funds than anything else and they tend to do really well I mean it's they might not reach super highs highs but I mean we've had some pretty good pretty good years over the past couple of years and so yeah you just want to mitigate you mitigate some losses too so we've been doing really well with that
2: That's great. And you know, diversification is important as well. How do you guys diversify knowing knowing that we're having kind of a downtime in the market right now? Talk to us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so we really, I follow exactly what Dave Ramsey teaches with the four mutual fund types. So growth, growth and income, aggressive growth and international. And so that's where our money is played out. Those percentages have kind of shifted over time in my husband's 401k and eventually I'll go back and kind of tweak them. But I look at like, how are they performing? Is it time? Can I wait? Internationals, the wild card. So we just kind of, you know, choose what to do there. But yeah, so we look at, at all kind of aggressively growing mutual funds is where we want to put our, our money for now.
2: That's great. Yeah. And obviously, it's working out well for you guys. Fantastic. Very cool. So how about the debt side of things? We talked about the assets. Do you guys have any other debts in your life right now?
1: The only debt we have is on this mortgage and that's not that's not included in this in this calculation like we just took the equity and to calculate our net worth.
2: Got it, got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Is paying off the mortgage something that you're interested in doing on later on, or do you guys see it as a low interest debt and something you're just gonna hold on to?
1: No, I really want to pay it off. I I used to have a goal of paying it off by the time I'm 50. However, we are looking to upgrade our home in the next year or two. So that will probably be pushed out because that mortgage will get bigger. But yeah, definitely something I want to pay off before, you know, within a reasonable amount of time, but something to pay off a little bit more aggressively.
2: Yeah. You guys have a pretty low interest loan right now anyway? Yes. That's great. Yeah. What a great market to have a mortgage in at this point. So talk to us about, you know, during this process of seven years going from zero to over a million million dollars in seven years, were there any windfalls or inheritances that contributed to this?
1: Not at all. No, no inheritances, no windfalls. My husband does get a bonus, but that's part of his compensation package. So I don't look at it as a as a windfall.
2: Got it. Yeah, no, I hear you. In most cases, as you know, being a Ramsey person that, uh, you know, they did a lot of research and found that most people in this situation didn't have an inheritance or a big windfall that contributed to their situation. And if they did, it was something minor, $30,000, $10,000, things like that, that helped out. So I just wanted wanted to help people out for that story. So talk to us about during this process, as you're going through, were there any I guess, tips or tricks that that worked well for you that maybe you thought could help other people on their net worth building journey?
1: Sure. I mean, for us, it was really, you know, it was getting on a budget. And I used to budget, but reactive budget and be like, oh, look how much I spent. And (laughs) now I know that we have to plan ahead and tell our money where to go. And I think that there's such beauty and simplicity in that and saying, what do we want most? And so those things of of what's important to us gets put on a budget. And so for me, it's it's family vacations. And because that's not something I got to do a lot when I was growing up, we just did not take family trips. So we're putting that as a priority. But we're willing to say, I don't need as many clothes or to get my nails done or whatever those other pieces are to it. And so it's just looking at what's important to you and making sure that those are, are on your budget. We value eating healthy and organic. So that our grocery budget might be a little bit higher than someone who's not doing that. And that's okay. Like you just start to prioritize. And so I think that that's a huge piece to to where we are today. Is just making sure we're intentional with where our money is going on a monthly basis.
2: Oh, that's great! Yeah, absolutely. Having some intentionality. Now, knowing that you're in the Ramsey camp, do you guys use Every Dollar as your budgeting tool? Or
1: we do. Yes, we do. And I, I love the simplicity of it. It's just clean and simple.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great tool. Yeah, we've got, uh, I'm a big mint fan. I've been using that for a long time, but I just did a video about mint versus every dollar, just kind of seeing the differences. One of my favorite differences with every dollar is the ability to share with your spouse more than mint. Mint's more individual than it is couple or family focused. So I, I, that's, that's one thing that I really like about every dollar. Was there a book on your journey that was influential to you as you were building your financial acumen that helped you along this way?
1: yeah, it's gonna be no surprise. It was Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. That's really what started it. You know, I, I checked the book out from the library and then I got into the to the radio show, the podcast. and that I just dove into the deep end with the podcast and that that was it.
2: I love it. Yeah, Dave was huge for me in the beginning of my journey too. Actually, I got total money makeover right behind me right here. But yeah, simple, easy way to go. Just for people to understand generally, do you have an income range that you could share that that could help to understand where you guys were in this journey? Just so people understand, because seven years, that's pretty quick.
1: That's pretty quick. I mean, back when I, I mean, we could go all the way back to when I graduated high school, I made like $29,000 or not high school college. But when we got, when we started our debt-free journey, we were making about 165,000. I lost my job. So we were down now to a hundred and, you know, and then slowly over time, like we're now over, over 200 or just right around the $200 mark.
2: That's awesome. So, I mean, in order to do something like that, you're saving I don't know, half, 40%, half, something like that. A lot of your money in order to throw at your retirement accounts, things like that. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we are currently doing 7%. So we're not quite at that 15 that Dave says, but you know, we live in New Jersey and it's a very high cost of living state. And so when it was time to turn on retirement, we just weren't able to add to to that and now that our focus is on on the next house we've been really saying okay let's just throw money into this mortgage and getting this house ready and you know planning for the next step and then we'll turn on you know we'll increase retirement as as we progress so it's just that's just been where we are with that but yeah we have we have good savings on a monthly basis for sure
2: very cool. Yeah, so make good money, live below your means, invest a good portion of it, and then this can happen too. So I, I love it, Amy. This is fantastic. Talk to us about where you guys are now. What excites you now that you're, you're in your early 40s? You guys have hit a net worth of over a million dollars. You have no debt outside of your mortgage in your life. What are your financial dreams right now?
1: Right. Well, like I said, the next dream is really moving towards a home upgrade. We are a little little, little cozy in this house here in New Jersey, but I call it our million dollar house. And so we're going to camp here for a little bit longer. But, you know, then I'm working on growing my coaching business as, as our little kids go to school. And as we start to just really, you know, continue to move on and grow, it's, it's expanding my coaching practice to increase our income and, and being able to, you know, do the things that we want to do in life.
2: So more vacations, upgraded house, concentrate on growing your business that uh, gives you personal fulfillment and you can help people along the way, which is very cool. So let's talk to the person who's listening right now and they're saying, you know what? I don't make 160. I make probably just a little under 100 between me and my spouse. This millionaire thing or even just growing my net worth in general just seems very difficult for me at all. What would you say to that person?
1: I would say that know that you're worth it. You're worth being wealthy. And if you look into some of the research on millionaires, most don't make over six figures in their entire lifetime. And I, I'm also coming from a state with a high cost of living. So we tend to have higher incomes. So there's, and just know that we spend a lot of money in property taxes and tolls and others. So it's it's almost like we make half. So <laughs> we'll just throw that out there. But know that you're worth being wealthy and you're worth, worth the hard work it takes to get in control of your money and to, and to do the daily grind of slowly, steadily moving your finances in the right direction. Because it's just this daily compounding of your daily habits that will lead to, and that's all we did. We just kind of focused on, here's what we're doing today and this month, and you know, and then it slowly kind of went into a good direction. And then we had a huge like COVID was really good for the stock market. So we that was really like we, we, we that was like the jet stream that kind of pushed us over the edge. Second, I want you to be clear on on your why as to why you want to build wealth Um, it's possible for everybody and anybody. And so we there's stories of, of janitors, like leaving $8 million when they pass away. And so there's a lot to it. And it takes time compound interest is a lover of time and so the sooner you can start the better but you know is your goal to break generational patterns of poverty or financial struggle or is it you know like for me it's like i want to have summer vacations with my kids do you want to leave a legacy you know what is that why behind behind it and that's going to fuel you to keep going and to keep working and then just know it's possible it is so possible and that's kind of where i am like that's where i'm just like we all can be millionaires if we just choose to And it doesn't take a lot of money per month. It's like a hundred bucks a month if you start at age 25 to 65. But if you're already older, it's just going to take like 250 bucks a month. You know, it's not going to take a ton of money. And that's a cable bill. You know, it's not something that's extravagant. It doesn't take, you know, windfalls and, you know, millions of dollars or winning the lottery. It's, It's possible to do a lot with what you currently have.
2: I think that's a great message, Amy. Thank you so much for being here. Talk to us about where people can connect with you if they want to maybe get a financial coaching session with you or just learn more about what's going on with you.
1: Absolutely. So I am on Facebook and Instagram at Amy Green with that extra E, F-C. So Amy Green, F-C. And you can find me at LinkedIn. I'm at A-E-Green. Lots of E's in there. So make sure you get them all. Or you can email me at F C at gmail.
2: I love it. We're going to capture all the ease. We're going to capture all the green and grow our net worth. Amy, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh,
1: it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Andy.
2: As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. I got a Big Tip Tuesday update for you all. This is our last update of the year considering we are done with the holiday season. That doesn't mean you have to stop being generous, of course, but I've got some good news for you. Collectively, we've achieved our goal of Big Tip Giving this year. That is so fun. I love this tradition and I'm so glad that people like you all in our community jump in to participate. Now, among others, we received a recent note from Jeffrey about a donation that her and her husband did as a big tip adventure. And here's a bit of what she shared. We talked to our server and she reminded us a lot of our college daughters. She had a great story to tell and told us she had a twin brother and he had special needs. She was working to pay for college because she was at Arkansas and had to move home to Texas because of money. I told her I was in personal finance and she started asking me a lot of questions about how to get started, how to save, etc. We knew we wanted to tip well and we started talking to her about the wait staff and if they had to tip share or if they got to keep it. She told us about a contest that a male server always won because a lot of the ladies came in and he could upsell them, especially after a few drinks. <laughs> When our bill came, it was about $100 and my husband added $3,000 directly to our server. We we also left my work phone number in case she wanted to get a little bit more education on Finance 101 and follow up on our conversation. The next day my phone rang and it was her boss. He first wanted to make sure we knew how much of a tip we left and confirm that's what we meant to do. But second, he wanted to thank us for our generosity and treating his staff so well. He said we made a difference in a young girl's life last night. Which is exactly what we wanted to do. We are not sure how that helped her, but we choose to believe that we did change the trajectory of her life. Thank you for doing what you do, and thank you for talking about topics like this. That's from Jeffrey. Wow. <laughs> what an incredible show of generosity and kindness. And I don't know, but this is a moment that that young server is never gonna forget ever. This is a great demonstration of this this, this community and this episode in general. When we're financially strong, when we build up to what I do believe Jeffrey and her husband are, probably a millionaire couple, when we're financially strong, we can help others on their path as well. I think this is incredible. Thank you all so much for listening, considering supporting in your local communities with people who are working hard to make their lives better. That's really what this is. So we'll be back again next year for another round of Big Tip Tuesday giving. So if you're motivated to join us next year and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't even, even think about giving 20 bucks or 50 bucks or 100 bucks, let alone 3000, of course the (laughs) 3000, this is a a very, very generous tip and this is not required, of course. $20, $50, $100 or more, whatever you decide is the thing. Start making an automatic, monthly transfer from your checking account to your savings account today so that you're ready next winter when we do this. I mean, if you want to say, hey, give 50 bucks is a good starting place. You know what that is? That's, what uh, what is that? Five, six bucks. What is that? 12 divided by 12, four. Yeah. It's like four bucks. <laughs> four bucks, five bucks. Start putting that away in an automatic transfer from your checking to your savings. And then voila, come November, December, you've got the $50 to give generously. It's really that easy too. And and giving becomes a whole lot easier, everybody, when there is specific money set aside for it. Personally, when I see a label for my money that says, hey, Andy, give this away randomly, or hey, Andy, give this away to charities, or hey, Andy, give this to your family or friends, or just your neighbors in need, then I'm more likely to give it away than if it was just in my checking account. I love allies buckets for that, because you can label it. I'm sure there's other banks that have the buckets thing. I've just, I, I personally use that and I love it. So anyway, I hope you'll consider it. It's a fun way to live and give. I truly believe that giving and service to others is a path towards a happier life. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm gonna end the show with a quote today from Jim Rohn. The greatest reward in becoming a millionaire is not the amount of money that you earn. It is the kind of person that you have to become to become a millionaire in the first place. Best wishes on your millionaire couple journey, my friends. Carpe diem.